and welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane, and I am happy to say we have a guest, uh, Jake Hirschman. He's the manager of business solutions uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks and uh, has a podcast. It's called Life in the Front Office. I was just on it last week. It was a wonderful time. Jake, welcome to Front Office Features. Rob, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. And you know, as you know, as a podcast host, uh, it's it's kind of nice to be on the other side of the mic. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. It, it, it kind of is. So, I don't know. We recorded what two, three, four weeks ago. Um, yeah, like and, they all come uh, together. You know, it's it's uh, the days. You, you never know which day it is at this point, right? Yeah. So this is being released on what is it? March the thirteenth or so. And you're we released uh, our discussion last week, which was the sixth. Um, that was a ton of fun. Um, I want to know, like, so this is the first time I've ever done one of these, like, as in you did one, I did one, or I did one, like uh, being on somebody else's and them coming on ours. Um, this is kind of fun. So like, how did yours start? So I was working at Purdue. I was working in Purdue athletics with Learfield. And at that point I was, uh, I graduated from Ohio University's grad program with sports administration. I had worked on the player side with the shout manager. out to uh, shout out to Allie for uh, hooking us up in the this right. you know a month or two ago. Allie Brennan, who's a current Ohio U grad student, Springfield uh, College, great. Yep, Springfield College grad is is uh, is has been helping uh, me with the with the podcast and the con you know the content graphics and all that sort of stuff. She's been a rock star. Uh, She's wonderful. Shout out, Allie. Yeah, Allie has been great. So what's funny is I think about, you know, life experiences, right? You're like, okay, how do you get into something? True story. I had no idea what a podcast was. Yeah. Uh, my brother listened to podcasts. I had a, a college roommate and teammate that was going to travel the world and try and start a podcast. You know, one of those <laughs> trying to become an influencer type thing. Oh, yeah, there you go. That, that flopped. And <laughs> I'm like, hey, tell me about this podcast thing. Like what, you know... It just I didn't know anything about it. I had gotten rid of my social media at that point. Um, I'm not I'm not on anything other than LinkedIn. And when uh, I was at Learfield, you know, I kind of wanted to, con to continue to expand my network. I had co-authored a book when I was in grad school on student athlete success and transition. So I saw you're an you're a two time author, two time author. So twenty secrets to success for NCAA student athletes, and then. Um, a couple of mentors of mine, Andy Dolich, Pat Gallagher, and Fred Clare said, hey, we should write another book. And I'm like, well, why do you guys want to write another book? You guys like to talk. You have friends. Let's do this podcast thing. I've, I've heard it's, you know, different. And I had no idea what I was doing. I really, like, I don't even want to go back to listen to the first couple episodes because I'm not <laughs> really sure what they're going to sound like. Now that I'm, you know, almost 380 episodes in at this point. 380? 380. And That's so insane. when I think... I, I thought I had, a, we had, a, I thought Chris and I had a lot when we had 180. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, you, you think back to granted the pandemic, I definitely was at a point in time where I was doing five a week. If you can believe that. People That's just a lot. More time. I mean, it was, it was incredible, but as I got into it, um, I would co-host episodes and I was the, you know, I'm doing everything from the technology standpoint. Andy, Pat, and Fred were like, "Hey, I'm just going to send emails to uh, executives across, the, you know, the different teams and leagues and all their contacts, and 
you you be the scheduler. You you get them on, and then you host all of us and keep us sane and and on you know on schedule with the topics, right? Yeah, right. And it's kind of just evolved from there to where you know I've done different series with sports management programs. I've done one. We have a sponsor, so shoot out to Sujo Organic for supporting us, and and then we've done a couple different uh, like industry series with Sports Digita, a couple other grad programs, and Sports ETA. I mean you, you kind of go down the list and it's like, wow, this there's a lot of different content, a lot of different things that we've tried. And, uh, to your point, you know, 380 episodes, you learn a lot. Of so much, so many, a lot of talking, you know, that's so many, that's so many. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I, I just, you know, we all kind of have a story of like, all right, why hit record and like, how do you do it? Uh, and found yours interesting. So let's go before that. Like, how did like tell us what you what you say on uh, mine uh when I was on yours your GPS right like yes, that's right the you GPS yeah so, I said I was gonna steal it I I haven't stolen it yet until I guess I'm back on your on uh, your on front office features it's almost mixing them up but uh yeah so like where the hell did you come from and where did you start <laughs> my GPS uh, I I started out in the desert I grew up in Scottsdale Arizona. I uh, went to uh, University of Redlands in Southern California. I went to go play baseball there as a small D3 school. Uh, and, you know, like anything, adversity along the way, tore my rotator cuff my sophomore year and said, how do I graduate early? Most college <laughs> students don't say that. No, want to stay forever. But I somehow was doing two internships, coaching at the local high school, rehabbing and taking 23 credits all at the same time. to graduate. 23 early. credits? Yeah, I, that's a lot. Right, like, I don't, and then I was networking and what I like, right? I don't really know how I did it, but I did. So I graduated in three years, did the grad transfer thing, went to Ohio University, uh, did my first master's in si- uh, sports sciences and recreation, and then did the sports administration program. And oddly, so enough, you have two masters, two masters. So you're then- the masters of you're the master of two things. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of like to say master of. None, right? Jack of all trades. Master. Jack of all, well, no, you you actually are a master of two things. Uh, not too I'll many people it. can say that. I'll take it. Yeah. And so then. Were you just addicted to education? Like, well, it's I funny. get two like, masters. Well, I was do going you have, to. Do you have $1 billion in student debt? Zero. <laughs> That's incredible. Here's the I was, I was kidding. No, here's here's dead dead on a secret. Um, if you can get a GA, a graduate assistantship, to go to grad school, it is the best kept secret there is. And I don't know that it's necessarily a secret, but I call it one because uh, I pretty much went to grad school, got two masters for free. That's wild. And so there's a lot of work that goes into it, right? Yeah, but of course. If you have that opportunity. It's awesome. So um, why uh, why like were you just like is it like there's people that I know like are addicted to education, right? They just like can't go to school enough. They love it so much. Like, why do too? Like, I've heard people, you know, I I, I didn't get any right. Like, I just got the so, the four year degree and left. I knew, so I went to I went to Redlands knowing that I was going to get my business degree. Didn't really know where it was going to lead, but hey, I wanted to go play baseball. Do that. When I tore my rotator cuff, I had to figure out how to throw a submarine, and. I wanted to give that a legit shot to be able to look back and say, like, I gave it all I had, right? When I hung up the cleats, you know, I did everything I could. Um, I wanted to continue to play. So I went to grad school, 
and also was definitely not ready to enter the, I, on my graduation, I think I was, I think I had tw turned 21 for a month at that point. So, oh, geez, well, was young, really young, 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 young. Um, and then when I got there, I was going to do the dual degree program, which was the MBA plus the, plus the MSA, which was the sports administration. And the schedules didn't line up with playing and the MBA. So I did this sports science and recreation program, which also was centered around coaching and, and, and education as well. So I was like, cool, I'll knock these out. It's kind of the best of both worlds. I wanted to go into the player side. I had the playing and the coaching background. Um, I also had the business background to know that like, hey, I could fall back on this if that's a route I decide to go. And um, the first program I did was a two-year program, but I did it in a year. And then <laughs> it, this, this seems to be recurring. This is a recurring theme. Of course you did. Uh, but then I went and did the one-year program and I left early uh, because all like good, solid um, jobs for the player side, you get hired in December uh, for, you know, at the winter meetings. And, you know, otherwise you're, you're dealing with like going to short season or something in May and it's, it's, but to really get in the front office, you had to leave. So I left and they allowed me to finish my last two classes online. I went and worked with the Mariners, the Mariners on the player development scouting side. And I probably had the biggest wake up call slash surprise that any young person in their career wouldn't think would happen. Right. So uh, three months in we're at, we're at our 6am meeting and I get a call from our farm director at the time at like five 50 uh, in the morning, mind you. And you had so a 6am oh, anyway, keep going. Every, every day was a 6am. I was there from, from four 30 in the morning to about 10 30, 11 o'clock at night, every single day. It was like, that's that side of the business is just different. But we had a 6 a.m. meeting every single day to kind of kick things off. Um, and he calls me at 5.50, answer the phone. And he's like, hey, don't need you in this morning's meeting. Need you to pack up all your bags. And I'm like, for what? And he's like, we don't, we just don't need you anymore. Like, okay, well, what do I do about the place I'm staying in? He goes, well, we need you to leave that by 8 a.m. this morning. What? So, here I am again, like caught off guard, don't really know what happened. And I'm got to pack my bags plus an apartment. Luckily I was living in a place that like I'm 30 minutes from my parents. So then I show up at my parents' door at 8am going like, I don't know what the hell to do with my life because now I don't have a job anymore. Right. And I don't know why either. Like I'm, I'm just don't know why. So you take Holy all that like, from, a, from a, hey, you work really hard to like get to this point and you get to where you want to be and all that sort of stuff. And then um, you got to go figure out another route. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to go do some coaching with youth camps in the summer, kind of figured things out, went and worked for Arizona Fall League with MLB um, that fall, which also had an expiration date, but like you knew that going in. Um and then was lucky enough to, to go to Purdue in West Lafayette, Indiana, to give the Midwest a second try to uh, realize that I really don't like the cold. <laughs> and, uh, great experience, great experience. But when I told people where I was going, they're like, wait, you were cold in Ohio. Why are you going back to the cold? I'm like, it's for the job. I'm telling you, it's going to be a great experience. Like, we'll figure it out. 
And uh, the, the transition to a place, Rob, and, and you know this, like the transition to a place where you know nobody. Oh, yeah. That's the hardest thing to do. It's, in, but it's so worth it in the end. It's so worth it because you learn so much, not only about just like life and yourself, but also how to how to befriend people and make friends and all, all of that sort of stuff, right? And um, I did that for a year and, you know, how things work out, right? It's a small world. And, you know, by the way, you can tell me to stop at any point because this is... You just keep rolling, brother. But at the time when I was going for the job at Purdue... I was also a finalist for a job at the PGA Tour. I was interviewing with a couple of different people. Uh, they were about to fly me out. And for like three weeks, they kept kind of just kept dragging it on. And I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. Like I'm in the final two. Uh, but they hadn't booked my flights yet. And then they called and they're like, hey, so something happened with the role. We're just actually not going to fill it. I'm like, all right. All right. Awesome. So I went to Indiana. But I stayed in touch with those three people because – they really liked me. They're like, hey, make sure you stay in touch with us. There will be something that up, opens up later on down the road. Nine months later, I get a call from one of the people I interviewed with. She's like, hey, remember when I told you to stay in touch? Thanks for staying in touch. We've got something. We actually have multiple roles. Uh, we want you to interview for all these. Four months later, I ended up in a role that I didn't even interview for or that 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 like first original call was for because they had some internal shuffling. Um and I went down to Florida a year later and a year later, the pandemic hit and I came back to Arizona for like what I thought was going to be two weeks, which ended up being forever, forever. So a suitcase turned into buying a townhouse and um, <laughs> I made a move to the NHL eventually after working remotely for the uh, PJ tour for another year and a half after that. And um, now I've been with the D backs for over a year so. It's kind of a crazy winding journey thus far. Um, Where did the books come in? Like, how, how do you become an author? So the first book, remember when you said, like, how do you pay for your grads or how do you get your grad school paid for? So my graduate assistantship was for the department chair of our of our program. And he's like, hey, I got some research projects for you that you could do. But like, do you have anything in mind? I go, yeah, I want to write a book. And he just looked at me like I was nuts. Yeah, And then he goes, you know, you're only here for a year, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. He goes, okay, well, you're not doing it on your own with just me. Like, we're never going to get it done. And so I got three other people on board, one of them being Andy Dolich, who's a co-host of the podcast, and um, a professor at Syracuse uh, who had worked on the Beijing Olympics, and then another professor that was there that had kind of had uh, college athletics experience. And the five of us got the book done and written in five months. And then the publishing, the publish, here's the secret. Publishing process takes like three times as long as it actually does to take, to write the book. Really? So that's fun fact. Yeah. It took forever. So that. How do you get out. a publisher? Do you just pay them to do that? Or do they pay? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So we went through the university press at Ohio and you had to go through an entire like proposal pitch phase. They've got to accept your proposal, the whole thing um in order for the for them to take the book and the project on um and then you get royalties and stuff like that but trust me you're not getting rich off of writing a book yeah right um, and then what's funny is as as you know i was saying in the early part of this episode of how did you get to the podcast was 
these guys wanted to write a book. And I was like, no, like you don't need to do that again. Well, Andy and I wrote another book. Yeah, and, I saw. And so one thing led to another. He had this concept called LOL. And I was like, you know, LOL is laugh out loud. He goes, no, it's not. It's loss of logo. And you start thinking about my whole journey that I just explained, right? Yeah. Resonated so much with me because look, we all go from one place to another. And look, there's there's people like Brad and Pat who were at their organization for 30 plus years, right? But we've all had multiple jobs. You lose your logo at one point or another. But, yeah, right. But Rob, think about it. I lost mine. You lost yours, right? Like everyone's lost the logo at some point. And so then how do you factor the logo on the business card to your identity, right? Of, of working in sports, whatever it is. Whoever's listening, I want you to think about this. When you go and introduce yourself to somebody at a networking event, wherever it is, to a client, whatever the case is, how do you introduce yourself? What's in the first sentence? Does the company name make it into the first sentence? Yeah, I would. I, mine absolutely does. Right? Right. But is that who you are? It's just what you do. It's what you do. I yeah, No, you make a good point, right? You're starting to make me think deep a little bit about, about that. I'd be like, hey, Rob Craig. I guess if I was in a work situation, I would do it. If I was in a personal situation, I would not. Does that make sense? Sure. But think about the instant judgment that occurs when you know somebody works in sports, doesn't work in sports. What do they do? Right. Like instead of just trying to get to know the person. Yeah, I see what you're saying. They get a little judgy. All of that. Right. Like how many people walk up to the entry level person versus the CEO? Right. It's like it's all the same. Right. Titles, logos, whatever the case might be. But it's really the concept of like, how do you separate success and yourself from the logo itself, right? To not rely on the logo on the business card to to dictate success for you, right? And granted, you working for that team might be success for you and that's okay. But for the majority, like you're gonna have multiple logos. So how do you react just as a student athlete would once they lose their ability to play, right? It's the same concept. There's this transition phase of, oh, shoot, I don't work for the PGA Tour anymore. I can't go do X, Y, Z because I was able to say that, right? Like there's there's things that you have to peel back the onion layers and go, who am I, right? Like, what do I want to stand for? What do I want to be known for? All those sorts of things. That's deep, I know, but like that's- But that's, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I totally, I feel like I've gone through that at least twice. One- was I got fired from Scranton uh, as the president of the Yankees AAA team. And when I got fired, it's like you talk about like uh, lo- a lonely feeling, right? Like loss of logo was, you know, like it was my entire identity. Um, and, you know, kind of what did you wanted to do after? And then secondly, I went through deep, deep, deep stuff is like, all right, I don't think I want to do baseball anymore. Or, or minor league baseball. And that was 17 years of doing minor league, working in minor league baseball, right? And like that deep thought process of like, what do you want to do is like heavy. Um, and that's, uh, it's he- it's he- it's heavy, it's heavy, heavy stuff. But it's, I guess it's like, I don't know what you think of this, but like, it's kind of good, right? Like it's total self-reflection, though it sucks to go through. 
but it's kind of good at the at, at, at the end right if you do it if at least if you put the full effort into really trying to get deep totally and i think one of the things that i found going through this whole process not only writing the book interviewing a bunch of people about their experiences but now when i introduce myself it's like so how do you introduce yourself i have i have hobbies right like i like so i'm jake that is a golf fanatic i love to hike uh i'm a vegetarian you know health nut and i love to talk to people about their story their journey and what they do right i'm just like i'm interested yeah naturally so, curious and, and i'm and i'm a and i'm a very family oriented person right love kind of being around family close friends whatever like that's who i am then there's yeah there's the work component and there's all the things that i've done which by the way i'm just getting started right like um you know yeah, you're only like 10 places. years into your career yeah so like there's there's a lot more you know there's a shit ton more to be written right yeah right but i can't explain that every single time it's just no okay like who am i to my core now right my core is that i really enjoy being outside activities um competing like finding other ways to compete right that's who i am and then whatever environment i do that in is you know what i figure out along the way you're a golf you're a golf fanatic uh big golfer yeah you're living the right area to do that Desert golf. I don't care what anyone says. Desert golf is some of the best golf. It just I, is. I've only done it like once. But it's very. You got to be very precise. You do, and you have to have a desert club every now and then. A desert club. What? What is your? What is your? As a golf, I too am a golf fanatic. What is a? What is your desert club like? My desert is like, club is a fifty degree wedge that's old that I've used on a couple of rocks and. I now have new wedges, but that's my desert club. So if there's a ball that, you know, happens to be sitting on some gravel, I'm going to punch it out with the desert club. I'm not scratching the. <laughs> oh, scratching. yeah. So it's like, kind of like the shit. Like, I just have the, I just need to like whale this thing out of here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Don't care what happens to it. Oh, my goodness. I would be so scared like a rattlesnake's going to get me. Now, you know what? Like in all my years, I've only seen one or two on the course, maybe. Ugh. Snakes scare the I've played a lot of rounds. I mean, that's so that's even hiking too. You don't see that many. Oh, uh, the so yeah, I got into a uh indoor golf league here in New England, right? Like it's snowy and crappy and you know, 22 degrees. Yeah. Uh so I got an indoor like a simulator golf league. You play nine holes every Monday night. Okay. All right. It's fun. It's fun. Okay. And uh why not? Another thing to compete, right? Like, I mean, it's I I think. Uh, you and I are very similar, right? College baseball players, D3, um, pitchers, um, and like competition junkies. Totally. Like I, I, I know this is, it's, it's becoming a very popular thing, but as of this recording, I will have played in two pickleball tournaments. I never played pickleball. I can see how I, I can be fun though. I love it. Like, you know, when you, so, you know, when you stop playing, and through work and all these other things, you're trying to find the same fire that you had. Yeah. It just, whatever you do with work, it's not going to exist. It can't be the same. It just, any, and anyone who's listening who was a former player, like, it's just not the same. But I found that in pickleball where it's just like, it's a different competitive fire. I don't know what it is. 
Interesting. I play basketball in the mornings, and uh, that's that still gets that. If I I always tell him like I'm in such a better mood after I play basketball, right? Um, because it's just like for the hour, I can swear and yell and compete and push and all this stuff, and then you're like friends after and you just kind of move on with your day, right? Like you can't totally. do that anywhere else. Totally. Yeah. So it's um. I get my fair share of yelling out on the court. I'm, 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 I'm a little loud out there, but it's okay. I have fun. That happens. Well, when I, uh, either you're going to go out here, uh, come out to new England or I'll come to, uh, Arizona. We'll have to go play golf. That'd be fun. What's your handicap? Five. Oh, you're good. You're good. You're good. Five is dealing. Five is dealing. You know what I like about the handicap is someone says, Hey, are you good at golf? You're like, well, I mean, I don't want to say I'm good. I just say, Hey, I'm a five. People know what that means. And then yeah. it's all set issue. I'm like an 11. That's respectable. It'll be fun. Be yeah. Good. I get, look, I get six strokes. <laughs> <laughs> I get six strokes. I'm taking them too. Well, ta- where are you playing from the tips though? We'll play for uh, wherever. I usually try to play like 6,500 yards. Okay. So here's, here's the deal. I'll play from the tips. At like seven, seven seventy-one, you play from sixty-five, and we're even. I don't know about that. It matters if it's desert golf or not, right? I don't want to get into something I don't understand. We're gonna to have to think through that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I could talk all in all about uh, playing golf because I I really do love it. Um. So one of the things that I hear a lot, and you know, much of our audiences uh, uh are overlapping, right? Like. They're trying to get their foot in the door. You know, I hate that saying foot in the door, but they're trying to get their career started. Um, and we try to provide uh, information to help them do that and learn from different people. Right. That's the whole thing. So as a, I hear this uh, more and more, say the last, I don't know, five, five, seven years, call it, you know, data analytics is making its way into uh, sports other than what you talked about when you were like, you know, I'm not talking about spin rates on curveballs, right? Like um, we're talking about in the business side of that. And that's what you do on a day-to-day basis. Can you take um, take me through like what does a manager of business solutions do? Like how does – people are so interested in analytics and data, but they I like how do you make it a job? And you have done that. Well, what's interesting and – I think back to my GPS that I was explaining, almost all of the roles that I've had, uh, including the one I'm in now, have been created. So they weren't like a, hey, you're backfilling this person. Like this is a newly created role, right? And sometimes it's a white canvas, right? Like here's here's the main things that you're going to do, but like there's definitely a a canvas to kind of branch off into some different projects or find opportunities. Right. Right. And so with, with, with this role, right. Like the biggest thing is to support our entire partnerships department. Um, it's kind of like a strategy chief of staff role in a way, right. Where you're helping everybody with everything, uh, in a kind of a jack of all trades way, but, um, a lot of processes to try and automate things to help people, you know, spend time on things that matter and, you know, that, that can help move the business forward and, you know, be able to, uh, 
um, provide insights and data that help make decisions, right? So when you think about data and analytics, everybody, to your point, thinks about spin rates, all that, all that fun stuff. Launch angles and everything oh. that's made baseball weird. On the business side, there's a couple different ways about thinking of, you know, the data space, right? There's, there's the true like BI and analytics when it comes to ticketing data and, you know, the CRM side of things and, you know, being able to have reporting and, and uh, the back end of systems, you know, to be able to provide, you know, updates for people uh, at the executive level who, you know, again, like there's data to um, help manage people. And then there's data to help manage clients uh, there and, and, you know, provide value, or whatever the case might be. In the sponsorship world, there's data to help provide and create, you know, measure value for partners with whether it's TV visible signage, um, you know, social, digital, et cetera, right? Across the board, how are you providing value? Then there's the, okay, how do we move our business forward? How do we project out? How do we look at what's going to be on the books in 2025? How do we look at, you know, how much uh, revenue is coming in before the new year for renewals versus after the new year? And how do we back out the, you know, the cycle, right? To where yeah, we right. can we can take the new business cycle and the renewal cycle and, you know, try and uh, move them back a month or, you know, or forward, right? However you look at it. Um, what is, what are average deal sizes? What are categories yielding? All of these things that, you know, have that data to them. Then you even look at the partner side and you go, okay, for X partner in this category, you know, what do fans prefer or or consider or or any of these data points that are meaningful to the brands right to to where there's survey tools and um, third party you know data systems that you can use uh, to be able to again provide value and paint the whole story right at the end of the day it's all the storytelling that's point. what I was exactly what the next point yeah, I was going to go to yeah so from a sales side I try to use the data to tell a story, right? Like you try to get the information regarding the potential partner and be like, what are you trying to do? Like, why on earth would you do this? And they're like, well, I'm trying, who are you trying to go after? You know, you try to target like audience, right? And like narrow down on that audience and how you do it. And then you tell the stories like you said, all right, this audience is important. This time of year is important to this, this, this. And then you're able to then put like the data behind that to say like, this is part of what you're trying to do, right? Like you use, in my case, Celtics assets, in your case, Diamondbacks assets. And that helps tell your story to accomplish what you're, what the brand is trying to do. And that data is so important um, from like the survey stuff. We use, a, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with it, YouGov. Uh, yeah. The YouGov, yeah, the YouGov stuff is incredible. We use YouGov too at Topgolf. Uh, and that just helps you tell a story that you can then relate to a partner being like, this is how this all works. This is how this flows. This is how this all ties together. And this is why your X, uh, amount in partnership makes a lot of sense. Totally. And, and I think, 
look, if, if you really simplify it, right, like mm -hmm. there's, there's that use. And then, you know, there's, there's the saying of it's always harder to get a new one than, than to keep one you already have. Right. And so then how do right. you, there's some data that says like, it takes five or seven X longer to get a new one or a five or seven X more expensive to get a new one than to keep an old one. Right. And so from a retention standpoint, like how are you using data to continue to help tell the story that, that hopefully someone used the data to help tell the story, to bring them in or at, at that first original, right. you know, you know, pitch. And then when you think about you, know, okay, well, that is great. Like, what do you do with it? Right. How do you, how do you actually make decisions off of it? And that's where I think as more and more to your point, data and analytics has started to pop up across different teams and leagues. And over the last several years, now there's this uh, barometer or benchmark that you can say, Hey, you know, we're at X percent, like what, what's, what's average, right? Or you're working with the league to say, hey, where should we be? How do we get there? What do we need to do in order to, you know, what are the tactics in order to, to enforce or, or make your strategy effective um, and ultimately get to the result, you know, through the process, right? Right. The uh, Larry Lucchino used to tell me, you know, the old longtime CEO of the Boston Red Sox and, uh, you know, now the owner of the uh, Worcester Red Sox and I worked with him when I was in Pawtucket and Worcester. He always would say, "Don't give me a number without another number, right?" Like, so as in, you know, oh, our, you know, season ticket revenue is I don't know, pick a number out of the sky, a hundred dollars, right? Like, obviously, it's more than that. He has no idea, and neither does anybody, right? Well, is that good or bad, right? Like, yeah. right? Like, there's no context to the number. You'd be like, "It's a hundred dollars," and you're like. Good, bad, like where where are we? Oh, last year we were at ten thousand dollars, and now we're at a hundred, right? Like really yeah. bad. Or last year we were at two dollars, and now we're at a hundred. Fantastic, right? Like, don't give me a number without a number. Um, again, tells the numbers tell stories, right? And stories are what make businesses go, right? Like, are you doing well? Or are you doing poorly? Yeah, and the stories aren't always external either, right? There's right, a lot totally. of stories that have to be in, that have to be told internally in order to get certain buy-in or, or or plans across or expenses approved, like what whatever that is. There's a story that needs to be told, and you got to figure out what the data is. Now, the hardest part about that is you kind of know where you want to end up, but like getting good data. And making sure that you're doing the right things along the way to, you know, four, six months down the road when you want to go pull that data, it's not just going to appear magically. Yeah, you right. Put the processes in place in order to make sure you have it, right? So, you know, an example is a really good, well-kept CRM system. What you, Data in, data out, right? You can run all the reports that you want, but if the process at the beginning isn't inputting good data you're gonna get crap yeah the story is useless right <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> or or it's, or, it, or it's putting you down a road that maybe isn't true right or, or whatever the case is that's 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 a very that's that is uh that's very accurate so like if the person listening here is like you know i'm in my just trying to figure out what i want to do and i want to be able to get into data analytics and like you know it's just so those two words are so popular together. Like 
your advice for them to like, how do I even get started? Well, here's the thing. I didn't know one. I, I had, it's not like, Oh, I have this passion for data and analytics, right? Like I, if you do awesome. Um, and it definitely can take you places, but understanding, like if I want to, if I want to understand the big picture and I want to understand how the dots connect, like the data is the important piece within all of that. Right. So yeah, right. it was funny when I, when I actually got to the PGA tour, our president at the time was like, Hey, do you know anything about Tableau? And I'm like, what's Tableau? She goes, well, you're going to find out because <laughs> you're, you're, you're about to build a bunch of dashboards and figure out how to, you know, be our data person. Right. And I'm sitting there going like, I have I've never coded in my life. Like, I don't know. how. To, I mean, I figured it out. Right. And I use my relationship building skills to become really good friends with the people who did code. And <laughs> you know, right. Um, but with Tableau, do you have to know code? Yes and no. The simple version, no, because you can run a lot of things off of Excel. And like, as long as you're really good in Excel and you can uh, set things up in data tables and structures in which the, like, in which it works well with Tableau, you'd be fine. Like I built majority of stuff in Tableau with Excel. Once you start to get into more complicated, like I need to plug into this system or use an API to this data lake or whatever it is like that's when you just say a data lake a data lake yeah Um, okay i'm learning new new uh new terms a data lake yeah is this like the great salt lake is this like uh you know a pond like how what what are we talking about here this is a puddle a data puddle what's a data puddle remember how you said gps i'm still trying to figure out where the data lake is (laughs) um there's there's terms you learned along the way, right? But like in general, it's most you know most people use SQL uh, in order to to code um, and pull out of databases and stuff like that. Um, and again, it, there's more complexities to this for sure. But the simplest version is learning how to use Tableau because the data visualization piece of it is key. Slapping an Excel doc on somebody's desk, especially an executive, to say, hey, like, here's the data. Like, that doesn't work. You got yeah. to put it all together, have a pie chart, have a this, have a that, um, have something that automatically updates, whatever it might be, can send them notifications, like all this, all this cool, you know, stuff that it can do. Um, but again, the data piece, I think, is huge no matter what role you want to go into, right? So to your question of like, well, where do I start? What do I do? Data is going to be and already kind of is everywhere, right? If you're in marketing or in your or you're in social, like you may not think about it that way, but your click-through rates, your impressions, like that's all data, right? You're you're yeah. using their their numbers, right? It may not be super complex, but any finance accounting role, data. Right. Any, any ticketing role data, right? Like there's all of it. It's, it, it really is everywhere, but I think understanding the true data and analytics world is um, what, like if you're looking for people and this is what I tell people, Hey, if you want to go into, into data and analytics, like find somebody who does it and start asking them a bunch of questions. Yeah. Right. Business intelligence 
and analytics is majority what the departments are called across any team or league. Like that's kind of the that's the thing popular term we'll call it. And it's just growing more and more in the business side. It was always like you know the data analytics say you know I can't do any more shift on this hitter right can't shift anymore. But uh, the, um, the data side is important because look, data is at your fingertips, and you have to figure out a way to create I, access. As a sales guy, I'd be screwed without uh, the folks who help provide the data, right? Like our uh, business strategy team, which is, you know, very similar to, I would assume, business yeah. solutions. Um, like I'd be screwed without, them, right? Like I need them to help do my job, which is help to drive revenue. I can't drive revenue without what they provide because it's part of a story. And now brands, they're not just doing it because like, oh. I'm a big Diamondbacks fan or I'm a big uh, Celtics fan or, you know, pick any other team in between. They're doing it because they got to like show a return on this that, you know, it generated X amount of impressions. It generated, uh, you know, so many views and, you know, hopefully they can turn that data into, uh, you know, and increased our, you know, increased our bottom line or increased our walkthrough rate or increased our, you know, sales number, whatever it is. Um, but like, that's the whole point of this thing. Well, and think about like, how do I make Rob better? Right, Rob, if I uh, could tell you that- Look, man, we, we can go on a self-help. I need a, I need a shrink. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you could say, hey, Rob, you're averaging X amount of meetings per month. Your average pitch is this. This is your goal. How do you get there? This is right. Like, that's all data. It's said in, and, you know, you can't have that until you've worked a little bit, right? And in- Yeah, right. You know, a bit right but to for you to say hey man my average pitch is x like okay well is that low is that high right you can talk to other people all, all that sort of stuff will help you along the way get to your goal which helps the team get to their goal and and all that good stuff but right um it's it's important if you were to say all right in five years like, where do you want to take all this stuff? Like, what what is what is next? Five years is such an arbitrary number, but like, not Five. what's the next job? What's like the job that you strive for after that? Like, where do you think this could take you? So you know, what's interesting is I used to say, hey, I wanted to be a GM. And then I used to say, hey, I wanted to be a president of a team. And like, you always had this set out goal. I'll have one. Like, and I and I say that in a way of, um, I, I'm kind of always curious, right? Like, and I'm always just trying to learn and do a good job at what I'm currently doing. And I trust that as you experience things and you meet different people and you network and you get to learn different organizations, right? Like for me to tell you, Hey, this is where I'm going to be in two years. It's going to be a complete lie because I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, right. No one knows. I couldn't I, tell you I'd be right now in my seat two years ago, right? So I think you have a guy, you kind of have your guiding principles, right? Of where you want to go and what you want to do. And and I would even say before all of that, who do you want to work for? Right. Like those are the important things that you kind of factor into everything. You sound like a maturing man. You're giving me too much credit, but I mean, slightly, right? Like when I think about it, though, it's um, 
I mean, can anybody tell you where they're going to be in five years? It's it's the funniest question that you grow up thinking you have all the answers to it. <laughs> and then yeah. you quickly realize you're like, I have no idea. This yeah, is the I, first place I've lived more than a year. I mean, like. That's crazy. They, uh, But I'm with you. Like, if you were to ask me that same question, like, I don't know. Right. Like, I have no idea. Nor do I care. I'm really focusing on the present. I used to be. And it still creeps, you know, creeps at me every time, but or every now and then. It used to be the like present or you know, future, 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 right? Like, what's next? Yeah. Like, I'm just enjoying today. I'm just enjoying ah, a little I zen, a little zen, a little zen as we kind of wrap up. I like oh. that. By the way, present tense is the best Pearl is my favorite Pearl Jam song. I'm a big Pearl Jam guy. Uh present, it's the song that ended the Jordan documentary. Oh. So if you go and listen, uh, listen to. I'm not uh, good with like band names and song names, but that's you're fine. Um, but anyway, present tense is my favorite Pearl Jam song. It ended the Jordan documentary for those who are uh, watch the Jordan documentary. Uh, best pandemic thing that happened, right? Like people were dying for content, and then they came out with this Jordan documentary. It's great. Which um, like Rob, the whole like. Not like none of this stuff's easy, like right, like trying to be be present, all like all of that. Like, no, are you kidding me? Hard as shit. Like, <laughs> I like I've got my journal. I've got like I do my yoga, right? Like, there's all these things that I make part of my lifestyle, but it's not easy. I mean, you go a week without journaling, and you're like, oh man, I got I got to get back into it, right? Like, there's yeah, I, just, hear you. I hear you. It's good stuff. This is good stuff. All right, life in the front office. Great podcast. Your best guest was a week ago. Of course. <laughs> Yours truly. My best guest probably today yeah. um, here on Front Office Features. Uh, I'm just appreciative that you come and do this, right? We got a big time crunch. Um, you know, your time, you got time. You got a, you know time with your family. So I appreciate you you doing this. We West Coast, East Coast. Uh, you got the World Baseball Classic uh, coming up at the, uh, I almost called it the Bob. Uh, yeah, Chase, I'm, I know my old, old man is, uh, coming out of me. Uh, but I know that's just kind of like show up and, you know, let MLB do their thing, but, uh, good luck with, good luck with that. The baseball season coming up, spring training in the midst of it. You're a busy guy. You know, I, I try and podcast writing books. Jeez. Oh man. Hey, sleep. Rob, we didn't even talk about teaching. I mean, Oh, that's right. You were a teacher, adjunct professor and everything. Yeah, but you asked like way back in the episode, you're like, were you an education junkie? And eventually I was going to get to the fact of like, well, I'm teaching now. So kind of, sort of. How is the teaching stuff going? It's great. I, You know, it's, it's look, I love to give back, right? Like a lot of, like, I'm super, super fortunate to where, to be Do you do it online or do you do it in person? Combo. Got it. So I teach at University of Florida. That is a, a you know, asynchronous online um boston college is asynchronous online uh and What's then asynchronous mean i'm not smart enough so asynchronous <laughs> asynchronous means you're taking a course you've got the the amount of time but like you're never actually going to see me you'll see me on video and the content that i've all produced but we're not actually talking live so you're going through the course over 16 weeks and you you kind of progress however quickly you know, you, you want to. Got it. So you put up like, here's week one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And if you finish that in three days, you can go do like week two next. Right. Right. Asynchronous. Got it. I learned uh, it is. uh, 
It is what nearly ten o'clock at night on the East Coast, uh, <laughs> and I learned a new term. I'm learning all kinds of shit today. GPS, uh, data lake, data lake, GPS, data lake. I want to know what a data pond is. I can't only imagine what a data ocean is. Uh, we're just. <laughs> I can't even. I, I'm not. I, I don't. I, I. We're we're swimming. I need a boat or something. Well, so when I when I the the teaching thing that the, you know it's somehow I gotten lucky where I created these relationships and I'm teaching in places that I don't live right. So uh, Florida, BC, where else? Seattle University, which is which is a professional development seminar. So you're like always teaching. You're do you sleep? I do. I get I get my sleep. Good for you. I got so but, much stuff uh, going on. Hey, you know, all that pickleball, I got to sleep, right? Like, and playing all the golf, you're five, you're a stick. You just can't just show up and be a stick, right? Like, oh, no, you, you got to take yeah, care of the body. You got to grind on the range. Totally, totally. You got to straighten out that drive, right? What I can't uh, figure, what I can't find, like, I got to find a place to chip and putt. I don't belong mm-hmm. to a club. So, like, finding a place to sh- take 60 yard swings. And like understanding how they react on like, and bun- like practicing bunker shots, like they just. Hey, you know how you, you know how you don't have to practice bunker shots. Don't hit it in the bunker. <laughs> right, I get it. I say that, and then I go out and I'm like, I'll that's the guy who has a, a has a has a wedge just to get out of the shit right. in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, you know how you don't uh, hit it into the rocks. <laughs> yeah, right. Um. So Seattle is a professional development seminar. I, I co-teach it with uh, Jordan Babineau, who uh, who was former uh, Seahawks player. And then um, I'm actually in April uh, teaching at University of San Francisco with their grad program and kind of taking that same professional development seminar and, and um, bringing it to, to USF. So it's fun. Like, look, it's, it's a balanced schedule. They kind of, you know, they're kind of all throughout the year. So that it's not like a all the time, all four of them at the same time. You know, it balances. I, I'm going to be working for you one day, man. You're you you're grinding. You're working hard. Good for you. Hey, as as shout out to one of my one of my great colleagues, friends uh, in the industry, Ronnie Burton. He his his term is all gas, no breaks. All gas, so. no breaks. There you go. I like it. I yeah. like it. You Just are you are out. definitely all gas, no breaks, and I I, I appreciate that. I like yeah. that. Yeah, but um, you yeah, look—you gotta slow down, smell the roses, and and uh, appreciate where you are, right? All but, right, go go look up the song uh, "Present Tense Pearl Jam." I'll and, be listening. Uh, you 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 you'll be right on it. So, yeah. or go watch the Jordan documentary. It ends the Jordan documentary. I lost my mind. Pearl Jam is my favorite band, and when the Jordan documentary ended with "Present Tense" and my favorite song, like I I almost exploded. It's just like bah. <laughs> lost I, will, uh, I can't say i have that like that song that's gonna but i'll, I'll go back and rewatch it and we'll s- see what happens yeah no it's uh it's i i encourage it i encourage it well you gotta go probably teach and uh you know do you know work on the on a, on the putting stroke and you know do a million other things to work on the pickleball uh getting that was it getting the kitchen the kitchen yeah gotta stay out of the kitchen you stay out of the kitchen yep yeah. All right. Well, I got. Hey, I've never played pickleball. You know some of the terminology. You know, it's the we, fastest growing sport in America, right? Like, and by a lot. Hey, uh, if you have a good drive, it's great. But you got to have the strong dink game. I'm I'm developing it as we it's go. A, what's a dink game? 
Educate me here a little bit. Dink is like the little, the little soft shot that you hit right up and over the net and the ball tries to land in the kitchen. It takes more patience than anything else. (laughs) And so you're not allowed to go into the kitchen. That's like the little rectangle, like right by the net. Yeah. But you can go in the kitchen if the ball bounces in the kitchen, but then you got to get back out. So you hit it, you get back out. Got it. So, so you can't like, just like, I hear you. It's like three seconds in the key. You can't sit in the you can't you can't, sit in. can't can't park in the key. Right. right. Can't do it. All right. So. One, I got to play pickleball. I think I it's they're changing they're changing every tennis court to pickleball courts. Yeah, you you'll be you'll be able to play here soon. Get a, get out there. It's it the golf swing is pretty natural with it too. You'll you'll figure it out if you play ping pong at all. People are like, oh, you must have played tennis. I'm like, no, I actually hate tennis. Like, I don't I don't like playing at all. Ping pong, combination between ping pong and like the footwork from baseball, it's golden. Yeah, I wish I was still athletic, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to, I got to figure out what, maybe Chris and I can play pickleball. That'd be kind of fun. Pickleball podcasting? Like, could you podcast while pickleball? I don't probably so. not, but we could probably video it and throw it on some yeah. social media channel and see if it, uh, see if anybody watches it. Yeah, probably. Probably. Um, all right. This was great. Thank you. Rob, thank you. Really appreciate it. And uh, appreciate you having me on to share my story. Um, so, you know, if, uh, go on. We got to go check out uh, Jake's podcast, uh, Life in the Front Office. And uh, make sure you go do that. I'm assuming it's on all the streaming platforms. And uh, Spotify. Yeah, yeah, there's a billion episodes. So you can spend the next you know six years listening to all the episodes. You did one every day. It's incredible. Done the yeah, podcast. That was a time, man. That was a time. <laughs> the pandemic was a time. That was a time. I agree. All right, bud. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Uh, good luck to the Diamondbacks this year. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you. Thanks, Rob. Right. See you.